Welcome. This is Pastor Danny with Word of Faith Family Church in beautiful Lander, Wyoming. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. I pray you will be energized and strengthened as you listen to God's Word. All right, well, I'd like to welcome each one of you. It makes my heart so happy to see all of your smiling faces today. I'm glad that you're here. Amen. I'm glad that you're here. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this day. I thank you, Father God, for this time that we can be able to come and honor you and serve you and lift you up, Father God. We come to um, worship you and love you and sing of your praises. And then we come to learn to grow in you and also to serve as well, Father God. All of these great things that you've set up for this church in this day and this age. And so, God, we're so grateful for it. We're so thankful for it. And Lord, we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for it. We thank you for supernatural comprehension, attention, and recall. And Lord, we thank you, Father God, for helping us. Holy Spirit, you are our great teacher. You are our helper. We know that your anointing, your presence, your glory is in this place today to teach us, to help us, to show us. And Lord, we call on that. We expect it by faith this morning. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. So we've been doing this new series, Baptism by Fire. Um, it's been good so far. I've been enjoying it. It's been awesome. And so um, we're just going to continue and jumping right in on that today. But I first start wanted to start with a story here first. So this story happened several years ago. It happens in Lander, Wyoming. It happens with a young, ruddy youth by the name of Michael Bauer. He was roughly about 14 years old at the time. And he didn't quite have his prefrontal cortex fully developed yet. <laughs> Let's just say that. So anyway, so he was um, playing with some friends and at City Park, um, and it was wintertime. And so he said, hey, let's go just hang out by the river. It's cool. There's lots of snow and ice and all these different, you know, some flowing water as well, all the different forms of water there. And we got down there and I said, well, okay, this is cool. So there was a bridge across the snow. You know how it goes in the wintertime when the water goes underneath of the, hey, it's good to see you. I'm really glad you're here. I didn't even notice. Awesome. So um, there was a bridge going over um, the river, right? How the water goes underneath and then there's snow and the ice and the bridge. You know what I'm talking about? Like a snow bridge and the water kind of disappears. And so that ruddy young youth said, hey, this is going to be a good idea to just cross that snow bridge and see what happens. And so um, he got up there a little bit and said, hey, there, yeah, oh, this holds. Okay, cool. I'm going to take another step. All right. You, you know what's going to happen, right? You're anticipating part of the story. And so go a little bit farther. I'm like, dude, this, this is no problem at all. So before long, we started stomping on some snow and having it fall in the water and just watching it and being cool and dumb at the same time. And <laughs> all of a sudden, a little bit more of the snow bridge gave way than I was anticipating. And I fell in. Do you know this story? Do you ever remember this? He probably, okay. All right. So, so I fell in and I fell into the water and thank goodness it wasn't too deep because the river doesn't run super heavy in the winter, right? So thankfully I only fell into about roughly here, waist deep or so. And I was started freaking out. I said, oh my gosh, I'm going to freeze. I'm going to get hypothermia. So we jumped on our bikes as fast as we could. I would have given anything to see some cameras to see us silly kids <laughs> trying to get out of the river and so we rode our bikes as fast as we could and I proceed to try to get dried off and all of these things for fear that you know I'm going to die from hypothermia thank goodness I didn't thank goodness I'm still alive today um, but the point of the story is that you know a lot of times brother Hagen has said always hey if you get close enough to the creek bank eventually you fall in 
I was close enough to the edge of that river bridge, and I eventually fell in because I was messing around too close. And a lot of times, this idea, we come to this, hey, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Hey, man, that's a little bit scary. I don't know about that. What does that mean? What does that involve? Well, if you hang around long enough, you get close enough to the riverbank, you're eventually going to fall in. So we're talking about the idea of baptism by fire and this Holy Ghost experience. And so what is it? The Bible talks about three different baptisms, right? The first baptism of the baptism of repentance or salvation. The second baptism is the baptisms where we're water baptized. Our old man is buried under the water, so to speak, and our new man comes up to life. And the third is the baptism of the Holy Spirit that the Bible talks about. And so we see that, the proof of that, I don't know if we'll have time to go to it or today or not, is in Acts chapter 8. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But before we do that, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit as it relates, as we see it in the Old Testament first. So if you would, uh, quickly, we're going to pull up Ezekiel 36.26. Ezekiel was a prophet. Um, Ezekiel 36.26. And uh, for all of you analysts and folks out there that care about numbers, here's a quiz for you. How long was Ezekiel written before Jesus came? Are you cheating? That's pretty good. How long was Ezekiel written before Jesus came? I had to look it up myself. About 600 years. About 600 years. So you think about, hey, Ezekiel was written about 600 years before Jesus came. And so he was a prophet here. And what did he say? Ezekiel 36, 26 says this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So Ezekiel talked about that. He said, hey, I am going to give, put a new spirit on the inside of you. He was foretelling this of things to come. He said, hey, this is going to happen, right? He was prophesying, hey, there's something greater that's going to come to pass. I'm going to put a new spirit within you. 600 years before Jesus came and the day of Pentecost, if we'll get there. If you don't know what that is, we'll talk about it. My goal today, and please forgive me if I get too carried away, is that I want to bring everybody along on this journey with us, no matter what age or how much learning of the Bible you have, right? I want to bring you along with us today and kind of paint this picture of what is the Holy Spirit, why do we care, and then ultimately we're going to talk about how do we apply this in our lives today. We're not just going to say, hey, this is just a biblical principle. Oh, I went to church and I learned about it at church, but... um. I'm not really sure how I'm going to take this in my life, right? That is my passion. That's what I want to have you do is to leave today with the idea of saying, hey, how can I apply this into my life? Amen. All right. So let's go to another one. Proverbs 20, verse 27. And this is one of my favorites. Um, David said here um, in Proverbs 20, 27, he said, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. So we have here and we see, hey, the spirit of our man, right, is the candle of the Lord. What does that mean? It's given us light. It's given us hope, right? Have you ever been in a really dark place? You know, I just, I uh, did this story with some of my students when we were talking about light and what light is and how we see light in their middle school science classroom. And we, I told them this story about um, a cave that we went into. Has anybody ever been into Boulder Choke Cave up in Sinks Canyon? If you haven't, 
I lived here a long time before I even knew it existed. But uh, Boulder Choke Cave and the runoff between the sinks and the rise is a really cool place. You can get it with Sinks Canyon. You can go um, tour it. It's a lot of fun. They give you some overalls and some knee pads and all this stuff. I've been in it a few times. Anyway, it's fun. You crawl in this little hole and you kind of snake down in there and you get a headlight and you go in and you go back in a ways and stuff and and so uh there's this special spot this tour of the cave and what you do is you go into this room and first you start singing right and it sounds so echoey and the acoustics are you know even if you're not a professional singer you think you sound like one because it's pretty fun you know and so we do that first and then comes the cool part is where you get in and you say okay everybody go ahead and turn your headlamps off now, there's no light in there outside of your headlamps or your flashlights. And we say, okay, let's go ahead and turn them off. And we turn them off, and our eyes adjust for a minute, and you go like this, and you got nothing. Nothing. It is dark and dark as can be. And it really is like, kind of can freak you out for a minute. I know sometimes Kendra is like, oh my gosh, I'm going to hold on to my kids because I'm scared they might, you know, go somewhere else in the dark and I don't know where they are, right? I'm going to, hey, touch this person really close to me to make sure I can still feel them because I can't see them. But then for a minute, we turn our lights back on and we realize, oh wait, the cave walls are still there. Nobody moved. It's all fine. Everybody's okay. We now have light. We can see again. I compare that a lot to this verse where it says, The Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. God's, the Holy Spirit is helping us see our world around us. He's helping us see how to live. He's helping us to see what's there present for us to do. Amen? Amen? So, the Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Let's look at, um, we now have to go there, Luke 3.16 where John the Baptist spoke about baptism, baptizing with fire. Now, we may call Luke the New Testament, and it is technically characterized in the New Testament, but technically Luke is, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are essentially kind of Old Testament because it's before Jesus died, buried, and was resurrected again, right? So even though they're categorized in the New Testament, technically they're still under the Old Testament law because we haven't had Jesus do the fulfillment of his ministry and his work yet here on the earth. Amen? So technically that's still Old Testament. And then also in Joel 2, 28 and 29, Joel spoke of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And he said, in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Right? So here it is that, that you say, why, am I, why are you telling me this? Why do I need to know this? Well, it's not just something that somebody made up one time. It's not just somebody said, okay, this is a good idea today. I think I'm just going to try this. I'm going to do it. No, here's the proof to see in the Bible and the Word of God where many different men and prophets of old spoke about the Holy Spirit before the day of Pentecost was actually come. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 1. We've been spending a lot of time here, and uh, I'm going to go there myself. Let's go to Acts chapter 1, and let's spend a moment just to read it today because this is such a great passage this is really, if you will, the cornerstone of what we are doing, what we're learning, and really what it is that we're studying here. So it's important that we understand. So just to fill you in, in case you're still a little bit lost, we talked about the Old Testament and then the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? Those are all the, the stories, if you will, about Jesus' life here on the earth. 
right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John talked about what Jesus did and primarily his ministry here on the earth. And so their main job, they lived with Jesus, they worked with him, they were his disciples, and so they were able to document and account what happens. It's just like four friends go on the same trip, but, you know, David may have said, hey, I'm going to remember to write about this cool mountain that we climbed, but Pastor Danny's going to say, hey, I remember what I ate at this restaurant, right? So it's going to be a little bit of a different story. It's going to be tied in, and, and he's going to even tell you probably how much it costs and what flavor the barbecue sauce was, right? So it's the important details that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John illustrated. They all did different things, and they all told different parts of the story, but they told the same story. And so then Jesus died was buried, resurrected. We're not going to focus on that today, but we're going to pick up here where he says, hey, wait and see what's going to happen because something greater than me is going to come. So Acts chapter um, 1, and we got Joel 2.28. Good. Let's pull up Acts, if you would, for us, please. So Acts chapter 1 and verse um, verse 4, and the cool thing about it is Luke also wrote the book of Acts, so Luke also helps us document each of those things. And Acts 1, verse 4, And when he was eating with them, he commanded them, the words in red, so we know Jesus is speaking, he said, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, hey, there's something else that's coming here. There's something else. It's not just the water baptism. It's not just the baptism unto repentance. It's, hey, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so the disciples were waiting there, and um, all of those things were taking place. And then he said this, and he promised in Acts 1.8, um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Judea, or in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I want to focus on the word just for a minute, and eight here, and he says, you shall receive power. You shall receive power, right? You shall receive power. Any of you men ever tried to be working, maybe in your wood shop, or you're working on your car, or you're trying to make your grinder start running, all of this stuff, and you just turn it on, and you're all ready, you got your gear on, maybe your gloves, or your eye protection, or whatever, and you get ready, and no power. Oh, man, I got to go back and figure out what's happening. If you ever worked construction on a job site, a lot of times people are constantly stealing the power. You have temporary power that exists at a house or a, a workplace, and if there's a carpenter there, an electrician there, well, he probably has some secrets because he controls the power, the electrician, but they're all fighting over the power, right? Because they need the power to be able to use it for their tools. So it says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, this doesn't say, hey, you're, you're, the job for you is to look silly because the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It doesn't say, you're going to only come to church and then you're going to get power. It says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Amen. Right? And so here is something, and, and I really want you to get this here. The enemy has a lot of times focused on, you know, hey, the evidence of the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. He said, well, you speak in other tongues, that's, that's fruity, dude. I'm not going to that place. No, the Bible specifically talks about it. The devil wants to put the emphasis on tongues and be like, hey, that feels really weird. 
But this is the point of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that you're going to receive power. Why do you receive power? Why do you care? Guys, I don't know if you looked around lately, but this world's a tough place to live. It's challenging. Maybe you're facing the challenges of, hey, I'm going to work hard all week and I still don't have enough to pay all my bills at the end. Maybe you're facing health challenges in your body. Maybe you're facing challenges. I just heard the other day of some um, people who did an outreach at a church um, for like a Halloween. And instead, they did like a harvest party at their church and they were doing some Bible stories for the kids. And then some people, it blew up on Facebook about the idea of people saying, oh, I can't believe you're teaching my kid Bible story. Well, what do you expect? You're coming to a church, you know? I mean, that's it. People are getting upset about this idea. Well, we're facing persecution. We're facing challenges. And, you know, I believe that there's more as we continue to stand for the Word of God and what we believe in this day and age. But what's the point? You shall receive power. And here's what I want you to get today, and here's what we're going to talk about in just a minute. After this moment happened... In Acts chapter 1, then Acts chapter 2, pre- Peter preaches the fiery message. Just a few days before, the same guy that denied Jesus three times. The same guy that said, well, Jesus, I don't really understand what you're saying, right? I say this often, I love Peter, I think he's a, such a shadow and a type of the common man because he says and does stupid things, right? I can't wait to meet Peter when we get to heaven. I'll be like, Peter, dude, you're my favorite, man. I just love you so much, right? Because I did stupid things too, just like you, right? And he's willing to be an example. And we see Peter is doing all of these things because we know, hey, we can relate with him. We can understand. But we see a change in his ministry, right? Jesus told him, he said, Peter, you are the rock. You are the cornerstone. Upon you, I'm going to build my church, He believed, Jesus believed in Peter. He believed in those disciples. He said, hey, you wait here. I'm promising you something greater coming. Because what did those disciples feel? They said, Jesus, you're leaving us. No! They were grieving. They were hurting. They were like, you are our master. You are our our rabbi. We're following you. And you're going to leave and be gone? Then what do we do? Right? And then so he said, no, hang on. It's okay. I love how Jesus appeared to his disciples after he resurrected. Have you ever studied that much? Have you ever looked at that very much and thought about how cool that is? He just like saying, hey, you can see his love. You can see his compassion. He didn't just leave them without no hope. He didn't just leave them with nothing. He came to his disciples and he appeared to them on different times. The, the two men walking on the road to Emmaus and then, you know, the different spots where Jesus appeared to him. And, and he came to him and he said, hey, you know what? It's okay. I'm still here. Even looking and said, you know, wait, what? Are you sure? Are you the same guy? Let me, let me look at the holes in your hands, right? And yeah, hey, he was there with his glorified body and we, he began to see and all those things. And so we, think, we see here that Jesus left and he promised another greater that can come. And so then Peter comes in, Peter starts preaching. Peter starts preaching, and um, I didn't st- there, then there's 3,000 that are added to the church that day. Had that ever happened beforehand? No. Then they, they go and they preach, and they send this message, and they, the disciples go forth, and more are added to the church. And we see in Acts, I think it's Acts 4, where Peter and John, he said, they say, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, give you thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk to the lame man. Right? Peter and John were then empowered with 
boldness and confidence because of the Holy Spirit. It's part of that, well, can we leave that up here just for a minute more, Acts 1.8? It's part of that power that comes with the Holy Spirit. And I really want to focus on that today because the idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit is not flaky. It's not fruity. It doesn't have to even be something that you're worried about. It just has to be, hey, God, you've given me power to live in this earth, and I'm going to take it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run with it. I'm going to use it, right? Some, um, a couple of quotes here. Um, I'm just going to read them out. We're not going to use the other ones yet. There's a man by the name of Reinhard Bonnke. If you know who he is, that's fantastic. If you don't, he was a man who was called to preach the gospel. He was called to Africa. And through his ministry, there's approximately 90 million people that have accepted Christ through his ministry. So I would say that he probably knows something about walking in the power of God, wouldn't you? He said this. He said, in truth, I have done nothing alone. God has called me and been my pilot. The Holy Spirit has been my comforter, my guide, and my power source. He knew and understood, hey, the Holy Spirit, I can't do this without the Holy Spirit. He also said this. He said, I discovered that no revival comes if we don't preach the word of God under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If we only have the Great Commission and only the Holy Spirit, we have power without purpose or purpose without power. It's a package deal, and that's what God honors. So the power that we have here to walk as believers. Now, did this power only come to the disciples? Did we see this in Acts chapter 2? I'm not going to read it for sake of time today. I'm just trying to paraphrase, trying to help you go through some of this. I encourage you, if you still have questions, go home and read it and tie into what you've learned today. The disciples went forth, the tongues of fire, they went all out, they spoke in all these different languages, and the other people around them that hadn't heard, they said, wait, you're speaking in our language, how do we understand? And Peter then started preaching and saying, hey, this is not what you suppose, right? But this is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They're not drunk like it looks like, right? They're being filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's this power, here's this new thing that's never really come in this way. Now the Holy Spirit was predicted in the old testament the holy it was foretold it was prophesied they looked forward to the day they say wait you're talking about the spirit of god living on the inside of you man those prophets and priests they they longed for that day they could foresee it they say wait there is a time coming when the holy spirit's going to live in the temple of mankind god himself chooses to not live in this curtain, in this holy of holies, but yet to come out of that place and to now live on the inside of each and every one of us, in the temple of us, in our spirits, with us, talking to us? Wow. Wow. So you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, there's no... No condemnation here today at whatever state you're at, whether you say, hey, I I believe wholeheartedly in being filled with the Holy Spirit, or maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum, be like, I've never heard about this before, right? That's okay. That's all right. We're just teaching. Our goal really is to teach what does the Bible have to say about it? What What is the example in the Bible? What does the Bible say about this? And then how do we apply it to our lives? So we see that we shall receive power. What else then happens through the book of Acts? In a brief summary, I know you said you were going to do this, but I think you ran out of time. As you go go forward and others, you see, hey, and then 5,000 were added to the church, and then there were more believers, and then all of a sudden these miracles started happening not through Jesus, 
because is where all the miracles happen in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The miracles then started happening through who? The disciples. Right? Because now Jesus said, hey, these things and greater that I do, now you're going to do. They didn't just do it because they said, oh, hey, we think this is really cool. Let's try it, dude. Hey, yeah, let's go. Let's go jump on a snow bridge and see if it falls in. Right? <laughs> they didn't do that. They said, hey, you know what? We are going to now take this power and take it forth and preach. And when you, if you listen to what EJ was talking about in Pastor 2, what also comes with the power, the boldness to share the word of God. The boldness to be able to share. Hey, I am so persuaded of this that I don't really care about anything else because I know that there's more that's involved in this than anything else. You know, as I was reading and studying just a little bit, Brother Hagen, if you don't know who he is, Brother Kenneth Hagen, um, gosh, he had, uh, how can I sum this and be quick about it? In 1915, he was on his deathbed. 1933, I don't remember. Anyway, he was a man who said, had not been taught of faith, right? And he said, God, teach me this. And he was miraculously healed from an incurable disease. And God began to teach him and show him a bunch of things about how to walk by faith. And he's got lots of books that are out and, and all of these things. He's just such a great teacher. He often teaches by stories. And so one of the stories that he was talking about, a friend of his that he said, hey, it was a Baptist preacher. And he said, wait, can you tell me here about this baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's of the devil. It's definitely of the devil. He said, okay, okay, I, I understand. And then he got to, to go into these meetings and he began going to these Pentecostal meetings and they believed in divine healing and all these other stuff and he saw the power of God being poured out and then he became filled with the Holy Spirit and he said man you can't convince me otherwise he said he go he went forth those next years and he said his preaching and his ministry and every part of what God had called him to do had increased exponentially because he had the baptism of the Holy Spirit because he had the what the power right so this guy um Brother Hagen, this guy said that I'll admit that the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost people live cleaner and purer lives than the Baptist folks. He even admitted that before he had been uh, accepted the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So that was kind of a funny one. All right. So the Holy Spirit is given to us as a gift today. He comes into our life when we accept Christ as Lord. But the Bible talks about this second infilling for ministry or for power. Now, maybe you say, hey, I'm not in ministry. I'm not up there preaching. I wouldn't be caught dead up there preaching. Well, let me tell you what. You're all in ministry. When you accept Christ, we're in what the Bible talks about as the ministry of reconciliation. It's bringing others to Christ. Right? That is our job. That is our goal. The passion of our Father should beat so deeply on the inside of us that we say, man, I love you enough. I don't want you to go to hell. Hell is a real place. Hell is a real place of suffering. Hell, if you, oh my gosh. You read about it and you get to understand eternal darkness and damnation, right? Eternal suffering, eternal pain. It's not even something that is a joke. You know, you hear people say, well, I'll probably just go to hell for all the bad. That should motivate us and, and turn our hearts on the inside and say, hey, man, let me tell you. I'd love to tell you about Jesus who came. I'd love to tell you that, you know, the Bible talks about all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But there's one, there's a Savior. And he wants to come for you and give you the hope of heaven. And that should burn first and foremost on the inside of us so much. You know, I don't remember who it was. I think it was um, Jonathan Edwards in the Great Awakening in early America's history or 
George Whitfield or one of them that just said, hey, they would go out all day and, and witnessing and telling people about Jesus and they'd go home exhausted and eating dinner and just about done. And they said, man, I just can't. I got to go back out. If I could just get one more. When we went to Peru and we did a mission trip several years ago, you know, my faith was said, I said, God, wow, I'm stretching my faith here. If we can have a hundred people that accept Christ. Our team in the week that we were there led over 6,000 people to Christ during that time that we were there. Wow. Just blew my socks off to think about, man, the gospel is easy. The gospel's simple. In America, we try to reason it out. We try to solve it out. We have all this knowledge and all of this stuff. We just say, okay, yeah, I need a Savior. Sure, Jesus, come in my heart. It's not hard. It's not by works, not of anything good we've done. It's all through Jesus. Amen? Amen. So we shall receive power to do the work that God's called us to do. We're all called to the ministry of reconciliation. The manifestation, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Let's turn there. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. We did a series a few weeks ago on Paul, the life of Paul. And this is Paul writing here in Corinthians to the Corinthian church at that time. Paul is a great example of being used by the Holy Spirit. Paul's ministry was catapulted because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit was in this church dispensation or this time or this age that we now have that we still live in today. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says this, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Um, uh, the King James Version says the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the what? For the profit of all. I don't do that just because I come up and say, ha, ah, look at me. Yeah, that's right. I can, I don't know, I can be cool or I can speak in tongues or I can do this or I can do that. No, it doesn't say that. It says for the profit of all. So doesn't just mean, hey, just the preachers. Doesn't just mean, hey, if you've served God a long time, for the profit of who? The profit of all. So the manifestation of the Spirit, what is he referring to here? He's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the power of God working in their lives. He's saying, hey, this is given to you to help you. Right? They're making sense this morning. I'm really trying to encourage you in this because I really want you to go and leave today and say, hey, man, I'm at a place. I don't have to do this walk alone. I don't have to live as a Christian, weak and powerless and tired. I can live in a place of victory. I can live in a place of saying, hey, God, you help me through this situation. I love what the Amplified says about the Holy Spirit so much that I've practically memorized it. It says the Holy Spirit is our comforter, our helper, our strengthener, our advocate, our standby, our guide. He's all of these things for us to help us. Jesus said, I must go so that another greater than me can come. The Holy Spirit has been given to us in this day, in this age, to help us as believers. Has anybody ever read, this is a kind of bit of a side journey, but I think it relates. Has anybody ever read the um, Left Behind series by Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins and some of that? If you haven't read them, they're, they're really kind of cool. It's been several years 
I think when I was in high school, they came out, and so I was reading several of them. But it's, it's fictional, but it's kind of based on the idea of saying, hey, in the end times, when the Antichrist is here and ruling and all of these different things like that, right? And it just has me thinking, they're in very traumatic situations, very dangerous situations. You know, it's not going to be good after Jesus calls up his church, right? And so they're in this time and this place, and danger is happening all around. Or maybe you've seen the Left Behind movie uh, with uh, Kurt Cameron, right? Anyway, it just kind of says, hey, this may happen. We don't really know for sure, but it really gets you thinking. Anyway, the point of what I'm trying to say here is that we could be in any kind of a situation, whether we plan for it or not, and the Holy Spirit's going to help us. You could be flying to see your family on an airplane, and all of a sudden they come across the plane. Hey, uh, we're experiencing major turbulence. We've just lost an engine, and uh, this plane's going down. Well, you could be in a spot where you go in ultra freakout mode, and you say, oh, no, I'm going to die. These are my last moments. But is that receiving power? No, but that's a moment where the Holy Spirit's going to help you, right? There's so many scenarios. A lot of times the Holy Spirit will warn you about a dangerous situation beforehand. You go get on that plane and you're living a walk with God. You're right, you're fellowshipping, you're communing with God, maybe praying in the Spirit a little bit, developing, sharpening that ear to hear from your spirit man. Hey, uh, maybe this isn't a good idea here. Now, we don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be afraid like, oh gosh, Pastor talked about speaking on a plane and I'm going to see my family on Tuesday. Maybe I better not go. No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. We're all led by the Spirit of God, right? We're all led by the Spirit of God. And He leads each one of us individually as we will. Sometimes He'll warn us. Sometimes He'll tell us, hey, this is not a great idea to do this. And so it's important that we listen. You know, Pastor always says, and I think it's so good, if it's the Holy Spirit, it's going to stay right? If it's the Holy Spirit, it's going to stay on your heart. So a lot of times if I'm like, hey, Holy Spirit, I think that's you. Okay, I'm acknowledging that. I'm accepting it. I'm saying, God, I'm a, just in the conversation in my heart. God, I'm thinking this is you. Okay, all right. So usually he's going to give you enough warning so you don't have to make a split second decision. So I'm going to say, okay, God, I'm going to sit on this just for a minute. I'm doing whatever I'm doing, so I'm going to go do it for a minute. But I'm asking that if this is you and this is a choice that I need to make, that you'll bring this back up. You're my teacher. You're my helper. You give me power. And so I'm thanking you that you're going to speak to me, that I know your voice, the voice of a stranger I don't follow. Amen? And so then I go on a little bit further, and I'm going through my day and whatever. And if I'm uh, thinking about it, hey, God, you know, what about this situation? Okay, well, he's still going to lead you in that direction if that's what you're supposed to do. Oftentimes lately, I've had things where, if I'm honest with you, I'm going about my day, and sometimes I forget to ask God about it again. And just out of the middle of nowhere, His presence then comes in and says, confirms that in my heart. Hey, this is what you're supposed to do. Right? This is where you need to be. Oh, oh man. Okay, God. All right. Maybe, that's, maybe it's a little bit stronger that time. Or maybe it's something, hey, yeah, God, that's your voice. It's not, it's not oh man, I'm nervous about this. I don't what I'm going to do here. No, it's not that. It's not the jitters from drinking lots of coffee. Man, I don't know what's going to happen, right? It's just the voice, the inward leading of God speaking to us. Okay, yeah, that's peaceful. That's easy. Okay, all right. Maybe it's not exactly how I planned it, but you know what? I can trust you in this. There's a peace here. There's a peace here, right? 
all these things we're talking about, this is the power that comes in New Testament believers as we're believing God and trusting Him today. He wants to lead us. He wants to help us. He wants to guide us wherever we go. Whether we anticipate danger, whether we anticipate problems, whether we anticipate it or not, it doesn't matter. He's leading us and guiding us and helping us in the middle of it. But our job is that if we're maintaining a right relationship with Him and saying, God, it's my heart's desire that I'm not walking in sin, that I'm doing what you call me to do. I'm living a right life or right relationship. The Bible talks about it as righteousness with you and for you. Then I believe that you're going to lead me, that you're going to help me, and you're going to guide me. And you're going to keep me out of these situations. You know, one of the big ones is, you know, I, I've struggled with in the past sometimes if you go buy a new vehicle from or a used vehicle from a car dealership. You're like, man, gosh, I don't really know. Is this good? You know, is it going to be fine? What do I do here? You know, I know some people, they just say, no, I'm just buying a new car. And I don't have to worry about it. I believe the Holy Spirit will tell you if there's lots of problems that are going to come with that vehicle. Maybe there's a house that you're purchasing. Hey, if there's something not right, he's going to help you. He's going to show you. Again, I would stress, you don't have to be fearful about it. Like, oh, God, what about this? Oh, I don't know if I'm going to do uh. Brother Hagen said, too, he said, the Holy Spirit leads just as much by what he doesn't say as by what he does. The Bible says in Proverbs that a man plans his steps, but the Lord directs his ways or something like that, right? So we got to go in faith, trusting that, hey, God, I feel like this is the best step in my life. This is the best route that I'm supposed to go. And if it's not that, you're going to tell me, Right? Because I believe that there's the power that's in that. The Holy Spirit's living on the inside of me. He's going to speak to my spirit. He's going to tell me if it's not right. But at the same time, okay, God, I believe this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to go for it. Does that mean that you're going to have God's presence with you in every decision you make? Not necessarily. There's been times that I've prayed and prayed and God man, what about this? I really want to make this right decision. God, if I just, my heart is so good after you, I just want to make this right decision. And I feel like after lots of prayers, God just says, well, do whatever you want. <laughs> like, God, okay, come on. It's like, no, he gave us a choice. He gave us a will. He gave us a chooser. And so it's important to do that walk with him. Again, we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit and being led by him. Let's go through uh, some of these quotes. Do, were you able to get those, Rick? Um, some quotes on the Holy Spirit um, here. Um, let me know if they pop up. But um, John 14, verse 17. Let's go there real quick. That's a good one. John 14, 17. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The first John, not the little John. John 14. This is where Jesus is promising the Holy Spirit. Uh, he says, verse 15, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into what? All truth. All truth. I'm reading from NLT, but yours is going to be very similar. Um, the world cannot receive him because it, let's go to back up to 16, if you would, please. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Right? 
My translation, uh, I never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth, verse 17. Who leads into all truth. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Everybody say that with me. But you know him. Now let's say, but I know him. But I know him, right? So I know him. So here is the word that Jesus is declaring directly to, his, to the believers here and to us is that we know God because he lives what? In us. He dwells in us. We know, hey, the Holy Spirit is a part of the, the Trinity or the Godhead living on the inside of us, leading us and helping us. The world can't receive him because he, they, the world, he doesn't live in them, but, um, but we know him or I know him. That's so good. That's so encouraging. That should stir your faith this morning if you're struggling with hearing God's voice or understanding him. Hey, I know him. You get in a spot in a situation, I don't know what to do. What do you say? Nope. Zip it. Instead, say scripture. What does the scripture say? I know him or I know you. You can make it personal. God, I know you. You lead me. You help me in what I'm supposed to do. Amen. That's John 14. Uh, 17. Do, um, some quotes on the Holy Spirit here, as I was going to pull some of them up from some different. Um, this is Charles Finney, who was an evangelist in the Great Awakening, I believe. He said, the church of our times needs the apostolic spirit. They spoke a little bit differently a few hundred years ago. She needs so deep a baptism with those fires of the Holy Ghost that she cannot go out and set the world on fire by her zeal for the souls of men. So basically he's saying there, hey, you got to have the Holy Spirit working in your life for ministry to be able to share the good news of those all around you. He said it even back then. It's not something that's new. Let's go to the next one. William Seymour, who was a, a man at Azusa Street in California at the turn of the century, about over a little over 100 years ago. He was one of the leaders in Azusa Street. It was actually an amazing place, too, where... Uh, the fires were poured out. They told stories about how the buildings where they met, the fire department was called because they literally thought the building was on fire. But yet that was where the believers were meeting. They saw it looked like fire, just like in the book of Acts that we studied about. But there was no actual fire. It was the presence of God. They were seeing, hey, the power of God is moving and changing. William Seymour was one of the man, men who was there, and he said this. He said, I can say through the power of the Spirit, that wherever God can get a people that will come together in one accord and one mind in the word of God, the baptism of the Holy Ghost will fall upon them like at Cornelius' house. Cornelius is talked about later on in the book of Acts. All right, let's go to the next one. Watchman Nee said this, Furthermore, through the believer's spirit, the Holy Spirit is able to impart God's life to thirsty and dying men. However, this filling of the Holy Spirit differs from the baptism with the Holy Spirit because the latter is for the purpose of service, while the former solves the problem of life. Naturally, it will affect service too. What he's saying here, he's, he's talking about the difference of, and Brother Hagen has a book on this also, it's called The Spirit Within and The Spirit Upon. The Holy Spirit comes within us when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, but he comes upon us in the baptism of the Holy Spirit for service or for power to be able to go forth and to minister as God's vessels. Amen. Do we have one more? John G. Lake, who was a man, the story that I remember most about him, he went to Africa as well, and I remember him in the, what, what, what kind of disease was it? Bubonic plague. His faith was such that he said, hey, you know what? Put some of that bubonic plague right on my hand. I don't care. 
and watch it. And those cells literally died. Because he understood the power that was inside of him. I don't even remember 17 or 20 people miraculously raised from the dead through his ministry. He said this, there is a baptism that belongs to Jesus. It is in his supreme control. No angel or man can bestow it. It comes from him alone. He it is which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. So the individual who wants the Holy Spirit must come into definite conscious contact with Jesus Christ himself. So he had a realization, a realization in knowing the power that was in and through it. Do we have any more or is that it? I don't remember. Jerry Bridges says, Sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit in us, whereby our inner being is progressively changed, freeing us, and I love this, more and more from sinful traits and developing within us over time the virtues of Christ-like character. The part of the power of the Holy Spirit helps us to not continue to fall into the trap of sin, but it helps us to rise above. It helps us to, to live as victorious life as believers and say, hey, man, I've struggled with this in the past for a while. Some of you men, maybe you've struggled with pornography in the past before. You say, hey, you know what? Holy Spirit, I need your power to be able to be free from this. If you've struggled with addiction in your life in some form or fashion, the Holy Spirit has the power to help you live victory, success, over that, to never walk in that again, to say, hey, this power is greater than anything that I can see, imagine, or understand. This power helps me to live a victorious life. This power helps me defeat sin in my life so that I can come closer to God. Amen. Charles Stanley, who just recently passed away, but it was a great man of our time, said, God will never direct us to be prideful, arrogant, and unforgiving immoral or slothful or full of fear, we step into these things because we are insensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit within us. So if we kind of flip that around, then we say, okay, well, if we are sensitive to the Holy Spirit within us, we are not going to be prideful, arrogant, unforgiving, immoral, slothful, or full of fear. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Good stuff. All right. I have another story I want to tell you. Okay, I love telling stories. This is my favorite part. How about you? Okay, um, so this is also a young whippersnapper, but he was only about probably, gosh, eight or nine at the time, about maybe how old Mac is, my son right now. Anyway, um, I get kids at school all the time. They say, I say, what do you do? And I say, oh, I'm a gamer. And I'm like, whoa, cool, what do you play? I'm like, I really have no idea what it is. They're like, oh, yeah, I play this, or I play Fortnite, or I play Minecraft, or I play Call of Duty, or I play GTA, or all this stuff. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. But uh, I just try to be interested in them. I don't really do that stuff anymore. And I try to just tell them how old I am. I'm like, you remember the original Nintendo? They're like, oh, dude, you're, you're old. But I'm like, anyway, I used to play original Nintendo, right? I'm like, I used to play original Nintendo, and I played Mario, and I used to always beat it and try to set a record time for it. Anyway, right? So my, my brother, over this a couple Christmases ago, he had one of those retro Nintendos where they came back out with those, you know, where you could buy them. And he had one. And I was like, sweet. That's, I really want to just play it again and see if I'm as good as I was. Well, that's not true. But <laughs> um, anyway, I tried for a while and stayed up for an hour after the kids went to bed playing Nintendo. And I got a few levels. I'm like, this is dumb. I quit. So... Regardless of that, right, I was playing, and it was amazing to me the muscle memory I had. 
I, I, the A and the B buttons on the regular Nintendo controllers, the square ones, you know, and my friends used to always try to get me to play Super Nintendo and PlayStation. I'm like, there's too many buttons, A, B, X, Y, and you got all these little L1, R1. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do, right? So anyway, I could play regular Nintendo, and I watched my kids start trying to play Nintendo, and they were like, oh, okay, this is the jump button, and this is the run button, and you got to press forward and all that. If you, if you know it, you know, and you're like smiling at me big right now because you totally relate, right? You're, you're as old as I am, so you understand. But that's what the kids say anyway. Um, gosh, I'm getting sidetracked. I'm going to stay on track. The Nintendo. So I was playing the Nintendo, and I was watching my kids, and they were always falling in the little ditches, right? They were always falling in, and there was a spot where they couldn't jump, and they're like, hey, I tried that, and I couldn't jump. I'm like, well, you got to hold the A button, and then you rock it over, and then you can run and jump and get, you get that, right? That's how you do it. That's how you pass it. <laughs> oh, okay, so I'm watching them, and it's so funny, and I got to be thinking about this in relationship to this, and that, I don't remember if it's A or the B button that you hold down. Can somebody help me out? Do you remember? A? All right, you hold A, and then you you know what I'm talking about, and B is the jump button. Well, A is the power, right? A is the power to run really fast and then jump, right? If you're not holding A, you can't run or you can't jump as far. But if you're holding A, you can run and jump and you can succeed and win. Holding A is just like the Holy Spirit in your life, right? You can run and you can jump, but you're going to fall in the ditch, right? You're going to not be able to get over the ditches in your life. You're not going to be able to get over the obstacles in your life. But when you hold A down and say, hey, God, I'm relying on your power. I'm relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, and I know it's going to help me to succeed and jump over any ditches that may come in your life. Amen? So if you remember nothing else, you're going to relate on the idea of a Nintendo and understanding that, hey, just like the power of the button A is the Holy Spirit as well in your life. Amen? So I want to now i got seven minutes left. We're going to tie into this, how to live life with the Holy Spirit. John 14, 17 says, He is in us. All right. So, I'm just writing some of these down. Number one, we have power because of the Holy Spirit. If you're a note taker, the word I'm just going to emphasize is power. Okay, just write the word power. Number two, we have boldness. So write the word boldness because of the Holy Spirit. So we have power. We have boldness. We know the future because of the Holy Spirit. Time doesn't prevent me today. You say, man, that's a pretty, pretty large claim. Well, the Bible talks about he shall show us the things to come in John 16, I believe, that it is the Holy Spirit talks about that. Number four, we know the will of the Father because of the Holy Spirit. We just talked about how the Bible says we know the perfect will of God for our lives because he teaches it to us. These are all the idea of how we're living in the power of God. Number five, we can walk in the gifts of the Spirit because of the Holy Spirit. Now, the gifts of the Holy Spirit came, and that's a whole other topic and a whole other day, because of the infilling of the Holy Spirit that happened in Acts chapter 2. Again, it's the power, it's the works of service. If you were at Life Group the last week and they did the discussion, one of the questions was, do you believe that you can walk in the gifts of the Spirit? And the answer is emphatically yes. Why? Not because of what we believe or what we know, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Amen? Number six, we can live in peace because of the Holy Spirit. This is a huge one, guys. We can live in peace. People around us should say, man, why are you so chill all the time? Well, I got the peace of the Holy Spirit. I don't have to be worried about stuff, right? If there is something I'm worried about, I'm just going to pray about it. I'm just going to say, hey, God, I'm just, 
I'll let you handle this. The Bible says, casting all of our cares on him, for he cares for us. All right. We are never alone because of the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's so good. Some of you maybe that you struggle with the idea, hey, I'm alone in this. No, you are never alone. The Holy Spirit is your helper. Number eight, we have direct communication to God through the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that, albeit we pray, we uh, speak the mysteries, but we pray according to the perfect will of God when we pray in tongues or when we pray in the Holy Spirit. Our Bible says our understanding is unfruitful. Our mind is like, dude, you're nuts. But our heart says, hey, I'm communicating with you, God. We don't communicate with God through our head. We communicate with God through our heart, right? We can learn about God. God has given us a brain. He's given us a head. He's given us reasoning. All those things are good to learn and grow and understand how God works and moves. But how do we commune with God? Through our hearts, through our spirits. The Holy Spirit helps us in that approach. Number nine, we have rest through the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good? We can rest in Him and be at peace. There's people in the world today that I see all the time that neither have peace nor rest. But in Him we can have both. It's part of the power. Number 10, we can pray perfectly. I kind of briefly touched on that. We can pray according to the perfect will of God. Oftentimes we don't know how to pray in the natural, in the English. We start praying for a while and we start, oh, okay, I said that already. Right? That's when we, hey, here's that power piece to know, hey, if I start praying in the Spirit, if I start praying in tongues, I know that I'm praying according to the perfect will of God. I know that I'm praying according to His will, and that I'm praying that He hears us, us when we pray. Amen? Amen. We can pray perfectly. A quote from Norval Hayes. He was a, I don't know, what's the bio that I could say about Norval Hayes? A fiery, powerful man, preacher of God, about 50 years ago. Paul said, uh, Paul said, you pray in tongues to edify yourself. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, or you help yourself, right? 1 Corinthians 14, 4. To edify means to build yourself up. Norval Hayes said this, speaking in tongues builds you to the point that you can believe God instead of circumstances. That's one of my final closing thoughts. Speaking in tongues gets you to the place that you can believe in God more than circumstances. You may get into your life and you may have this big report from the doctor. They may say, oh my gosh, this looks huge. This is all I can think about. This is big. This is life changing to me in maybe not a very good way. Norval Hayes is proving here and he's quoting and he's saying, hey, from experience I've seen and understand, build you, speaking in tongues, build you to the point that you can believe God instead of circumstances. When I'm preparing a message or when I'm preparing last night, what am I doing to prepare? I'm doing, I'm pulling some of this stuff in, but I'm also praying in the Spirit. I'm saying, God, I need your power. I need your power to go forth and to deliver your word to your people. It's a humbling opportunity to be able to come up here and do this. I want to be the mouthpiece of God speaking to you so that the Holy Spirit can teach you and take those words and you can grow hereby. Amen? Build you to the point that you can believe God instead of in your circumstances. So, John 7.37 says, Out of your belly shall flow what? Rivers. Rivers. Rivers of living water, not little streams, not little creeks. Rivers 
of living water. And what does that look like? What's that a metaphor for? Praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. Developing that power. That's why they go together. It's not to look weird or funny or stupid or say, I've joined the church, now I can pray in tongues. No, it's for the power that comes with it. It's for the power that you can go forth to be able to be successful. To be able to say, hey, I believe God more than these circumstances. So, if you feel down or depressed, what should you do? Pray in the Spirit. If you don't know what to do, what should you do? And if you want to hear from God, what should you do? Yeah, it's not that hard. That's how we access the power of God. It's a free gift that's been given to us. Amen. If you'd stand for me, please, this morning. Hallelujah. So now we can say, hey, we can see here that this is not something that's just made up. It's not something that just says, hey, you know what? This is uh, something that they believe in. No, the Bible talks about this very clearly. We're not the only ones. We looked at other preachers and great ministers and said, hey, there is a power that comes with in the Holy Spirit. If you're in a tough spot in your life, if you're in a spot that you don't know what to do exactly, what should you do? Pray in the Spirit. Now, maybe some of you are in here today and you say, there could be several of you here that just say, well, I don't know about this. I'm not sure about this. That's okay. God will teach you. He'll help you. Bible says if you come to God um, asking for something good, he's not going to give you something worse in return. He's a good God. He's a loving father. All, the Bible says that all good and perfect gifts come from the father above who there's no variableness or shadow of turning. God doesn't change his mind. Wake up on the wrong side of the bed. He doesn't. He's not different one day than the next. In John 14, 6, he says he's the same yesterday, today and forever. Amen. So it's something that's available to anyone. You maybe say, hey, how do I receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit? Well, you just sit there and say, God, I believe it. Just like you accepted salvation. I believe it and I want to start speaking. Okay, fine. The Bible says that the, the, it, the evidence or the proof of the infilling of the Holy Spirit is speaking with other tongues. Right? Again, like I said before, sometimes we get so focused and the devil wants to get us into our brains so easy and say, you're speaking gibberish. That makes no sense. But the Bible also says what? That when we pray in the Spirit, we pray the perfect will of God. We know that we're praying directly to the Father when we pray in the Spirit in our personal, what we call our personal prayer language. So if that's you and you say, hey, you know what? That's what I want to receive. That's what I want to do. Hey, no problem. You can do that anytime. You know, Kendra's ministering in a couple weeks, and I'm sure that she's going to tell her testimony about how she received the Holy Spirit all by herself in a college dorm room and said, hey, God, if this is really what you got, I'll take it, right? She came in and she said, she spoke a couple words and she said, Satan, I rebuke you. <laughs> it's a great story, right? And, but then she said, hey, no, I realize, hey, this is him. This is the Holy Spirit on the inside of me and began speaking more and was filled with the evidence and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. So you can do that anytime and anywhere because that is the key to harnessing the power. Amen? bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you, Father God, for what you're doing in and among us. We thank you for the power that has been given to us today, that we can grow hereby from milk to the meat of the Word of God. Lord, as we go, we apply this to our lives. We thank you for the promise in your Word, and we thank you that we can walk in the power that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen and amen. All right. If you have any questions, come talk to me. I'd love to chat with you. Otherwise, have an awesome week. God bless you. So great to see you today. It's been a joy having you with us today. We pray you've been blessed 
by spending the time in God's Word. Always remember, you're valuable and precious, special and important to Him.